It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Lout, and come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pikey and Lout Show. We're talking Taipans, and we've got two more games from the Cairns Taipans to, to dissect from, from last weekend. Two more to look forward to in the coming days as well, so plenty to get through. We'll have our MVP tracker thanks to Cairns Total Physio and a special guest of somebody that my co-host has caught up with as well. So I'm Chris Pike, one half of the team here at, at the Pikey and Lau Show. The second half, Alex Loudon, how do we find you this week? Oh, very good, mate. Very good, Pikey. Um, obviously, a couple of big games and, and unfortunately big losses, but there's some there's a glimmer of hope in uh, what we saw on the Melbourne United game, and we'll get into that a bit later on. But uh, no, excited for the show and excited for my interview today because we're keeping a keen eye on uh, players overseas that are from Cairns, uh, and uh, yeah, a bit of a shocking development in, in that regard. So um, uh, stay tuned for that one. This episode of the Pikey and Lowes Show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. And Statton's Plumbing Company. Plumbers who care. Yeah, you've got some breaking news for us. You've been you've been the been the reporter on the scene as well and going to get get your interviews as well. So looking forward to that on the show later on. Not great news, unfortunately, but we need to report things that are happening with our Cairns basketball is here on the show, so stay tuned for that. Now, fair to say, Lowes, when we when we did our show last week, we weren't quite expecting two more losses against the Sydney Kings and Melbourne United, and we weren't expecting the Taipans to be one and three. Now heading into playing the Hawks on Friday night, and then a another tricky game, first road game of the season against Brisbane on on Saturday. No, not not at all, and uh, I think it's a bit of an opportunity lost. It's not a put the queue in the rack, the season's done kind of thing by any means, no, but it's just no. an opportunity lost. Um, and the, the Sydney, I mean, the Sydney loss gives uh, their coach, uh, Adam Ford, their first uh, W. Yeah. And uh, you could see the, the Sydney players getting amongst it. But um, I just felt like the, the top end's defense in that game just wasn't quite at the standard where it needed to be. And, the, you know, anyone that just wanted to drive in and, and you know score laps was sort of just getting their way it was a little bit um a little bit lax and and i just don't think that's what the taipans want to be known as um just kind of going through the motions at the defensive end because i mean offensively um there, there were so many good things um but you know uh fast forwarding to that melbourne game uh there was, there was a totally different um state of mind from the half um, from half time onwards. So, but your thoughts on that that Sydney game in particular, Pikey? I thought it was all of our fears that we talked about on last week's show coming true. We we had talked about being worried that this team didn't quite come out this year with the same hunger they had last year, and might have been you don't want to say complacent, but they might have just been expecting expecting things to happen because of how well last year went that they could just pick it up this year and things would continue on, but. Yeah, that, that Sydney game, it felt like, they were, to be honest, they never felt in the game for, for a lot of it. And and it was a Sydney team that were missing a lot of players. They were still missing Daniel Kickett and Xavier Cooks and, and Diddy Lozada didn't suit up for the game. So they were missing another player that, from the, the week before as well. Um, 
But you're right, the Kings players were just able to do, do whatever they like. Brad, Brad Newley, um, somebody that you know loves to drive to the basket, so you need to need to get need to deny him that lane to the basket. He was just getting getting every look that he that he wanted to get. Um, unfortunately, inside Jarrell Martin got to be able to able to have too much of an influence as well. So the the Cairns bigs didn't quite do what do as good as they would have wanted defensively and. And Casper Ware played a remarkably efficient game. We talked about how much he struggled with his shooting last week, and um, I don't—he barely took a shot in the first half at all. And then he he slowly worked his way his way into the game, got himself to the foul line, and and he caught fire and hit some back-to-back threes after just after being pretty passive offensively and being happy to set up his teammates. So, um, so much to like for the Kings. Um, you're right; the tight ends' offense was pretty good. I mean. If you scored 91 points, you would expect to win more games than you lose in 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 the NBL right now. But yeah, to give up 99 points was disappointing, and to me, it was just the hunger that wasn't quite there. And we we felt the same about the Hawks game, where it looked like the previous Monday the Hawks looked like they wanted it more, and it's a it's a tough thing to say, but it did look like the Kings Kings wanted it a bit more too on on Saturday. Well, they played off where as well, like almost baiting that sort of two for twenty kind of percentages to play out, but mm. it didn't. It didn't really go that way, did it? Mm-hmm. He went. What did he go four for seven or something? And he just yeah. he lit it up, and he he um, got the taste in his his mouth of of uh, the seasons of yore of twenty eighteen, yeah. I think, Casper Ware. So, um, yeah, look, I think I think that was that was sort of the the. Um, the the wake up call in in some regards because the Melbourne United game was starting that way again and there just looked to be a little bit more effort in terms of being alert and being defensively in the right positions and everything on that but it really wasn't until the second half of the Melbourne United game that um, that they actually clicked in and were actually helping each other. And that third rotation was helping the, the, the bigs rolling down and another guy was covering um, that man in the corner. And, you know, they were just moving a lot better and there was so much more energy and activity and even voice. Like I, I, I sit there at the games as well and it was quite quiet, I've noticed, especially the start mm-hmm. of the season up until really that, like I said, the halfway point. We'll, we'll use that as a as a, um, um, a big moment in the Taipans changing their course of their season. Uh, but yeah, it has been really, really quiet. And normally you'd mm. hear, um, you know, players barking instructions and, but guys are getting clipped on screens because they haven't heard the, the um, screener coming in and he's um, heard the call late. And then, um, you know, just, just little breakdowns that are frustrating to watch. And I'm sure, you know, Mike Kelly and, and uh, the, the assistant coaches uh, are just, you know, shaking their heads a bit, going, "We've worked on this. We worked on that, and mm-hmm. why isn't it sort of all happening at once?" But you know, it is a progression thing, and I'd like to think that from this point on, that they've drawn a line in the sand and saying, "We're not going to play like we have in the some of those preseason games in the first three. We've we've got to give this uh, this maximum energy like we did, um, you know, from that from that third quarter onwards." Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's frustrating, isn't it? And I think my, I think we've got a, a, a grab of Mike Kelly in that post game uh, interview from the the Melbourne game, uh, but yeah, he he just he just said, look, we we played the way we wanted to play in the second half only. It was a tale of two halves, I think, and uh, you know he he really just lamented the fact that 
um, you know, it, it needs to be this way from now. It, it can't go backwards from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's, it requires more energy. It requires a lot more concentration um, from the boys. And uh, I think games, the games can be won at the, at the defensive end. Okay, Laos, let's take a listen to what Mike did have to say and then we can, can talk a bit more about it afterwards. Yep. Well, yes, I mean, we, we came in with a mindset to win and, and we're coming away with a loss. Um, but I actually think uh, we played half a game the way we really wanted to play. Um, so to say that was one that got away, I think Melbourne United deserved it because they played four quarters and uh, had a great first half and we had a great second half. I thought we, um, we, we adjusted the, some of the shots they hit were just good shots um, and playing good basketball and some of it was off of missed assignments and the same play ran again and again. And, uh, and we didn't get to where we needed to to really contest. Um, and then once you get going, they've got great shooters and they ran that good set. But um, yeah, I was disappointed with how we uh, communicated out there and we need to be better as a group doing that. And, uh, and then the guys adjusted and, uh, and we did a much better job and slowed that down and they had to adjust and run a different set. But uh, yeah, I love the way our guys fought back. Um, and in the end it was too, too little, too late. There we go. That was Mike Kelly's immediate reaction to the game. You agree with him, Laos? Do you think? Do you think that they're adjusting to the fact that there is no uh, DJ Newball sort of holding down that defensive uh, position, or are you thinking that there's plenty of um, you know tools in the toolbox that they can that they should be able to cover that um, with the talent that they have? It's, it's tough. I mean, he was the best offensive player in the league last year, so it's not easy to immediately cover cover somebody like that. Um, now, if you, And if you have a look at what Melbourne did in the first half, their three-point shooting was un- unbelievable. I think, they went, I think they went seven of eight in the first quarter alone, and then they, they were still going 10 of 18 for the first half. So um, Chris Golding was a big part of that. Um, so if this was last year, you throw DJ Newell to, to Golding and he locks him down, and I don't think... I don't think Golding actually had great games against the Taipans looking back to last season as well as, as a result. So I don't think you can underestimate the lack of DJ being there. Um, I, I, was, I was frustrated in the first half because the second effort um, points were, the second effort chances were going the way of Melbourne United. We weren't, you know, the, the Taipans yeah. weren't coming up with, with those, um, well, shutting down those plays. Um, and coming up with the ball, the, the loose balls were going the way of Melbourne United, and that's that's kind of an inexcusable one. That's not a, a talent thing. I think that's just a straight um, effort and energy type of thing. Like some of those Chris Golding's threes were from a, a rebound and a, and a hit out to a you know Golding waiting there, you, mm-hmm. you know. So it wasn't so much it wasn't so much that he was getting free on his own account it was um you know the footwork wasn't being done to box out guys properly to then come up with it or or to chase it down and really own it if there's a ball on the floor um you know when you're one and two in the season you're gonna you gotta dive on that that ball and just you know you say yeah this ball's mine like that you know we've got to take a stand here so i think that was the frustrating thing in the first half 
Um, and then obviously the second half, as I mentioned, totally different mindset, totally different team came out. Like they were, they were helping each other. They were loud. They were, they were talkative. Um, you know, the rotations were right. That was the other thing, the, the third man rotation. So if you've got a middle on ball uh, between, you know, two players, then those defensive uh, at the defensive end, you know, the, the big hard shows, the guard gets over, the big recovers back. Well, as the big's recovering back to the guy rolling, the guy, the tight pants player off the corner, uh, who's often a shooter, will often bump the big and then re- um, return to his player. So they're actually they're actually in the lane and, and stopping the easy two uh, over the top, and then they were getting back to their man. But if they couldn't get back to the man, then the other guy was rotating across. So their rotations were more on point, um, and they were you know pointing and yelling as well. And and it put United on the back foot. Like they they didn't have any answers as the tight end sort of came storming home, but as mm-hmm. Mike Kelly lamented is too little too late and they, yeah. they end up with a two-point loss and now they're, they're staring down the barrel of um, you know you know they've got they're one and three at the moment so um, there's no more time to lose um, you know game tomorrow night game Thursday night sorry and then um, away in Brisbane so mm. they've got to bring it to the Hawks who let's face it they came in and tuned them up pretty good to the point to a the tune of 20 um so you know they've got to make the adjustments um and the hawks came in they threw the whole kitchen sink of defenses uh at the type ends including a a 3-2 zone where they just stymied any kind of uh, ball penetration in the paint and the type end settled for so many threes so many threes against the hawks last time and that's i'd say that was the game plan make them shoot threes and they they all sort of give up going you know inside so they need to get that balance right so this Hawks game is going to be very interesting to see how they've adjusted to Gorgon's defenses that he's going to be throwing at him uh, and the pressure and then um, are they going to are the type ends going to stay composed to get good inside touches so the way to break a zone is to get those inside touches and uh, either either dribble penetration or pass penetration they've got to get the bigs to the right spots and then have cutters coming off that so if they can learn from those mistakes last time they certainly can't afford a um, a game where it goes like it did last time against the Hawks mm-hmm. um, and I think with their renewed you know sense of who who they are um, then they, they've got to put it into practice again so they can turn those last two quarters of the Melbourne United into um, you know six good quarters by playing the whole game for this uh, for this Hawks uh, match on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of quick questions that I wanted to get your thoughts about, Laos. Scott Machado has had a good start to the season. <laughs> that performance in the last quarter when... It looked like the game was dead, but then he took it upon himself to give the type ants a chance. I think he made five consecutive baskets, so his his three ball hadn't been working. But also, the opposition teams this year have noticed back to last year that 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 pick and roll of him being able to throw the lob over to Oliver that's something they just can't let happen. So that hasn't been allowed by opposition teams yet this season. And also, yep. um, the bigs from Melbourne were just not letting Machado finishing at, at the rim. So he realised that late in the game. So he's, he turned himself into a mid-range shooter and he made those five big buckets and it really got him going. It got the team going and they almost had a sniff to, to, to run over Melbourne in the end as a result of that. Now, how much do you think he can now take from that performance to, to carry on into, into this week and, and the rest of the season? 
Well, he's an incredibly smart player and, and he really read the game well at the end. And, you know, they were so far off trying to cover the alley-oop that the, the floor just opened up for him. So yeah. a little step back and he created even more space. Um, so he was he, he was hitting everything, which was great. Like, you've got to be selfish in that situation because if that's what the defense gives you, then you've got to take it. You've got to take that opportunity. Otherwise, um, you, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, really. I mean, mm-hmm. what works last year is not going to work this year in, in high efficiency because the teams are going to scout that and go look this is our number one focus now let's stop the alley-oop play um let's bring in a third rotation to even bump oliver on his way to the rim which is what they're doing as well so what what opens up at the end of all that well it's the time it's time for the point guard to kind of take his shot because that's the that's the best shot available so he's um you know machado's read read the play really well and um just certainly capitalized i remember yeah it was it was like at least a 10 or 12 point run just by him Mm. um you know taking his taking his shots but that's what the team expects him to do because that's what the defense um so was allowing so um you know other other shooters um they they their defenders were close you know matching up close to them like jerick's Jerick's man was uh, st- sticking pretty close to him, uh, which meant there was a huge hole once once Machado came off that on ball. So, um, you know, he's, he's he's really solid. I think the game comes at a slower pace uh, to him when he's on the floor. He, he's great to watch. Machado's just oh, yeah. just smooth, and he's just really really fun to watch. You just want that team buy-in now to to set the stage for for some good solid Ws. The starting five had a slight change for Monday as well, with Fab Krislovic getting the first start of of his career ahead of Majuk Deng. So. Listening to Mike post-game, clearly he wanted some better rebounding and better defense, and that's why Fab got the got the start. But he also then liked the chance for Majuk to come on and give some scoring punch off the bench. It didn't quite work out, but long-term you could see that working. I mean, if, if Majuk is your first guy off the bench, he can suddenly, suddenly light it up. Um, did you like that move, and do you see it as something to persevere with? Well, I know coaches will always try different combinations, and if you've got a focus of two or three really solid offensive targets, then you want your other two players on the floor to to understand their role. If you have too many players trying to establish themselves offensively, uh, because that's their you know that's their mojo and that's how they're wired, then you're not really going to end up with the right perhaps the right combination when you can bring offensive scoring punch in that second unit you remember how we talked about points off the bench um that 25 to 30 point range well that's when that's when if you get your combinations right um then you service your big three um for that starting group and fab adds in all that extra hustle play all the extra effort because he always gives 110 percent um you know he's always on the floor everywhere and his his heart's right in it so i mean that's you know coaches love that and and obviously he's going to complement that that starting five because he's just uh, effort and energy and he'll he'll finish he'll finish plays and he can shoot the three as well um but he's not out there to establish himself and make it known that he's going to get off the first five or six shots mm. um so yeah i mean a great a great move to try at this point in the season i mean if you're you know they were one and two going into that you've got to try everything so um you know they'll, they'll find the right combination that they'll settle with or at least alternate between a couple of combinations depending on who the lineup is but i mean i'm all, I'm all for you know mixing it up a bit just till they find the right formula uh, that's going to work for them in in this season now it's not always a positive when your best player cam oliver gets two early fouls but i thought in terms of looking ahead to the rest of the season now the fact that that meant nate jawa got into the game early he got some touches he got a chance to try to establish himself i mean he might the fact that he got into the game got got some confidence got a chance to play 
I think now moving forward um, could actually be a great positive because Nate might actually now feel like he's got a got a big role to play and it might have just been the chance that, that he needed. Joey had a great game. I, I thought yeah. he I thought he was really solid. He had six points, um, you know, but the minutes that he played were, were crucial. Obviously, Cam had those two two fouls. The first one was just not a very smart foul at all. Um, and you know, I I've had foul trouble before when I when I played where I just put my hands in or just did something stupid and I was just like, mm. oh, why did I do that? Um, so you know, I struggled with that for a time, especially in my earlier years where I was just kind of. Uh, you know, bull in a china shop kind of thing, and then the coaches sort of said, "Look, you know, you, you're costing us with you with you sitting down. It's going to cost us big because you know we need you on the floor kind of thing." And and that's the same with with Oliver in, in that regard. He he can't be committing silly fouls early. Like he's got to have some discipline in that because he's going to pick up uh, one or two fouls where he's just in the right spot. But unfortunately, the big often gets pinned for yeah. fouls. So yeah. there's there's two there. Um, you don't want to be giving away two silly fouls and then, you know, you're going to be on ice um, either for the rest of the half or you're going to be used sparingly at the crucial moment. So he's got to sort that out. That's probably, and the coaches will be all over it, but he can't be, you know, putting himself out of the game within the first 40 seconds. <laughs> the first two fouls within the first no. 40 seconds. The first one was his fault. The second one was a bit of a, you know, a questionable call maybe, but it, it was just frustrating. I was like, why, yeah. why? Um, but I mean, I, and I, I felt his pain because I've done the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, he fouled and, and I, I'll tell you, the grand final haunts me because I got two quick fouls, um, one for a reach in and two for going after an offensive board and landing over the top of Cedric Jackson. And I just, I felt Fernie's rules were putting, were, you know, players on two fouls sit to sit down. And yeah. I just felt like it just put us on such a bad start to that grand final series. And, um, you know, it was just frustrating looking back. I'm like, oh, why did I do that? So mm. those those kind of plays uh, or that those habits have to be stamped out and, and coaches have got to do a great job in, in just convincing him that it's better just to keep your hands out and let an easy two go in the first 20 seconds. Don't, for goodness sake, get a foul and, you know, cause the rest of the game to be to be managed in a different way. Having said that, um, Jawai had awesome minutes i just felt like he calm and collected he got a couple of buckets he got going and got the juices flowing he was active on the defensive end you know he stuck to the rules stuck to his assignments and he totally big point uh jock landale like guys have tried to yeah. push back totally. and he just manhandled them and what i want jawai to be able to do is if there's no double team coming they didn't send the double team in this one they were they were thinking it was just going to be a pass or distributor so jawai's got to recognize that early if they're not coming um, he's got to make a, a quick move. Just put put his defender out of submission just by bodying up and making his move straight away and going straight to the basket. I just reckon if he makes contact, spins on the guy, he puts them out of submission. Like they they can't, they cannot stop him because he's too big and too strong. So I, I'm saying make contact with his move, spin and get straight to the basket with his reach and with his length, and then force the teams to have to double team. I think he was he was sort of waiting for the double team to come, waiting for the double team to come and was trying to assess but made some great moves as well. I reckon he could cut out a bit of that time and just get straight to business. Uh, but it was, it was great minutes uh, by him and I thought positive for Mike Kelly to see that and get build that trust for this season because every every season you got to earn your you know earn your minutes um you know and in your rotations you you earn it with with solid play and I thought I thought Jawa did himself a big favor with that game in um stepping up so quickly and uh I think that goes a long way for his leadership as well uh for this season yeah for sure oh, and and now I want to see him be- 
given the chance to back it up against the Hawks because I don't want to see AJ Ogilvy coming away from that game on Thursday with a another plus 26 next to his name. No, exactly. And if and if the Hawks decide to uh, mix it up with this uh, with the zone like they did in the first four and a half minutes of that game, uh, it really put the Taipans on the back foot. Taipans will be like, right, well, we're ready for anything goes this time and we've got to get more inside touches, as I mentioned. Jawai can actually help that situation because he's a big target, get it to the big fella, and he's also a good distributor. Um, just be careful when the double teams, they will come in the zone because guys will be, or not, not double teams, but the guys will be hedging in from, from spots really close by. So I think if he can get good position and the, and the bigs are working together on the inside when the zone comes and it will come early, um, then then he should be pretty positive that he can make an impact. So Taipans cannot settle for threes. They've been shooting so many threes. I just And I, I don't think they're good shots either. Even if that's the strategy, because sometimes they, um, you know, some teams should only shoot threes or layups because the worst shot is a long two. Uh, but sometimes I think, you know, an open long two at, you know, someone that's going to knock it down at 60% is going to be just as going to be better than shooting a contested off balance three at 25%. So I, I just felt like the, the type has certainly settled for so many threes when they didn't need to. Um, some of them are rushed, especially against the zone. Like I said, we've got, you know, you've got to get those inside touches and really break that zone apart. Otherwise, they're, they're going to be filled with confidence and then they'll be off to the races. No, I think you've wrapped it up well, Laos. And just quickly, before we get to our, our votes from both games in the MVP tracker, thanks to Cairns Total Physio, we've got to talk about Cam Oliver against the Sydney Kings. Two plays. One, when they were down by a lot, he attempted a 360 dunk that didn't quite quite work. He still got to the foul line. And then the dunk that he did nail, the throwdown over over both Jordan Hunter and Craig Moller, um, that's almost the best dunk in the NBL I've ever seen. It's uh, it's I reckon yeah, I reckon it would be the best dunk in the NBL. I I wouldn't know if there's another dunk uh, from a certain Ira Clark uh, mm-hmm. that might have yep. that might have connected on on Lousy back in um, <laughs> you know, Gold Coast Blaze versus yep. Taipan's days. But um, there's certainly uh, huge, you know, it ricocheted around the world, didn't it, with ESPN mm. top play in the US. Machado just set it up beautifully, and uh, Oliver just. You know, cocked the hammer and, and just smashed uh, Moller and uh, Hunter. Yeah, so it's a <laughs> it's an awesome play, mm-hmm. awesome play. I, the 360 one was interesting, wasn't it? There was yeah. uh, going to go for the one hand 360. I think it was just spoiled slightly by uh, was it Moller again? Might Maybe he he might have got a piece of that first one. And thought, oh, I'm going to get this second one as well. But <laughs> um, Oliver certainly discarded him. Um, on on that play, just uh, awesome, awesome spectacle to see, and uh, yeah, huge, huge ups. Um, he, he's a he plays so so high above the rim, you know, just the way he he, he was excited about it, and then the reaction of uh, Kuatno, he he's mm. just grabbing his head. He's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> oh my goodness, that was huge. Uh, it was just awesome, oh. awesome. No, it, it was. Um, now, what about our votes for our? MVP tracker, thanks to Cairns Total Physio. Lows, what have you got for us? Well, Tom uh, Cairns Total Physio um, very very quickly uh, put the votes in for these ones once I requested them. It's pretty obvious. Uh, Oliver, this is for the Sydney game. Oliver 3, Noy 2, Machado 1. Uh, and Oliver certainly lifted in that that Sydney game with yep. those impressive uh, highlights. Um, so, so well deserved there. And then in the, the Melbourne United game, uh, Oliver 3, Machado 2 and Jerick 
one. So uh, Jarek getting on on the board again um, in that, that second game. He was able to get uh, quite a quite a few um, nice little nice little threes late in the he game was. as well. So he was, there was some fight there. There was a lot of fight, and I thought Jarek was really good on the defensive end as well. Uh, he was part of that um, higher energy more communication that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, their, um, their, so, yeah. their second half defense as a team was was terrific, wasn't it? I think I think that Melbourne team, I think it was only 30, 36 or 38 points in the second half, and to keep a team like that to that sort, that low of a title was a, was a, a great effort. As, as good as the offense was, I think defensively is where they turned the corner. Well, you do that at the start of the game, um, put the team on the back foot from the get-go, mm. and then you've you've uh, strangled their, their mojo from the start. So... Um, I haven't checked the the shooting percentages, but for the field goal percentage, you want to keep those those two point territory percentages down to uh, you know roughly forty five percent or under, and then threes you want to be keeping team holding teams to thirty five percent or lower. Well, like uh, I said I'm before, sure they, Melbourne went ten of eighteen in the first half from three, and they ended well, up going three or fourteen in the second half, and that that has to be a lot to do with the the defense. Exactly right. I mean, yeah, that's anything over 50%, then you've got to tighten the reins. I mean, um, what, what was that three points stat you just said there? Was it, it said 10 of 18? Yeah, 10 of 18 in the first half, and then three or four, yep. three or 14 in the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 60% is just going to be. Then that's if it happens during a quarter, you've got to be able to, at least at the every five minute mark, sort of check yourself and be like, guys, this is way out of hand. Like, you know, let's let's lock in now. We're not doing it yet. Um, let's switch gears now, rather than waiting till half time for coach to have a spray. Um, the good teams are able to adjust more on the fly. Absolutely. Now let's let's take a deep breath on the Pikey and Lau show, um, and and get some breaking news from you, Lau's, about a young young Cairns product who is doing some exciting things over in the United States, but he unfortunately might have had a little bit of a setback. Well, look, I think the the news, it was from December, but it was just more, it was sort of kept hush, hush by the the, um, University of Virginia Cavaliers, Uh, obviously talking about Cody Statman, a local product and a a really promising up and coming uh, player, uh, huge upside and and is in He's in one of the biggest, uh, if not the the biggest uh, school in the in the US right mm-hmm. now in terms of basketball. They're on top of the ACC at the moment, but earlier on in the season, um, from from December one, he hasn't been able to hit the floor. And you know, we'd like to keep tabs of our, of the local talent from Cairns. Uh, and I caught up with Daryl Statman just recently, and Cody had a, a heart scare, I should say. Uh, but let's let's take a listen and and uh, just see where how he's tracking now and and how the story unfolded. Okay, joining with me now uh, on our special interview for uh, this week, uh, we had a chat with this man uh, last year regarding uh, his son Cody Statman playing at the University of Virginia Cavaliers. A uh, very exciting uh, run uh, in terms of uh, NCAA hoops over there and won a championship as well uh, in NCAA, which is just uh, phenomenal. Uh, he came to me actually just recently with some rather shocking news, a, a bit of a um, a bit of a heart issue for young Cody uh, in the 
the in the US, and it only managed to play three three games before uh, the doctors had to kind of step in and and do some uh, analysis. Uh, introducing you now, uh, Daryl Statman. Welcome to the Laos, uh, Pikey and Laos show, mate. Hey, Laos. Um, good to see you. Oh. Good to talk with you, rather, mate. So, so talk, talk me through. I guess uh, when, when was the last time Cody was able to hit the floor? Um, and then, you know, what sort of transpired since then so, uh, with a heart issue? Yeah, look, um, he'd been able to play the first couple of games of the regular season, or the start of the preseason um, before the regular season, and uh, they were training. Um, obviously, to get themselves right defensively and so on, he'd been working really hard, and uh, next minute he collapsed. So um, next minute he realised he's getting picked up by his teammates, and he's off to hospital. Um, when he got to hospital, they did an MRI and found that his heart had been enlarged from stress, and in the process of that, they also identified that. He had a, a rare case of bridging of an artery through the heart muscle. So wow. um, they've had to take a bit of time since then, um, hence why he hasn't been playing or training, um, just so they can work with it and see what the best thing for him is moving forward. Um, the good news is they've done a, a series of stress tests on him since, and he's passing with flying colours. Wow. Um, so yep. we're happy about that, but they are still trying to look into what the best way to go around the bridging is because it, it can probably be a, a limitation on his blood flow. Wow. Of it. Wow. So I, I'm seeing here that it was December 1 was the last time uh, he hit the floor. He, play, he played three games, um, yes. a- averaging 4.6 points, 2.3 rebounds, started to get in the groove. He was 60% from the field, uh, second on the team there at the time in terms of field goal percentage. I mean, not, not many games in, but, but some promising signs. And then, I mean, and then this sort of happened was, and, and there's been no kind of heart issues before with him growing up. Definitely not. Yeah, we didn't know anything about it. I mean, in regards to them identifying the bridging, that was rather bizarre because obviously he's grown up with that and to no effect. So, so, um, so bridging. So bridging. I guess is that is that you saying an artery is not going along the heart normally and it's finding an alternate path or what's what's bridging exactly? How do you how do you describe that? Yeah, so it's one of these arteries that's growing through the actual muscle of his heart so it goes through the meat of the heart um it's not really that deep they can surgically get in there and um bring it out but that's our last resort really because any heart operation is a risk um we're hoping that the um the surgeons and that after all this stress testing will be um giving him the okay to get back on court um, as he did in the in the past. And did they they mention you said the length of the bridging was f- four centimeters? Is that that seems like a, a long sort of way to be bypassing? You know, a natural bypass for the heart is is that normal? Like, have they seen this before? No, no, this is um, totally something they haven't seen before. They have seen bridging up to a centimeter, meaning that it might pierce through the side and come out the other edge, but this sort of goes in. Um, and it's only sort of a couple of mil under the surface, but it goes four centimeters through the heart muscle. So, wow, yeah, wow, it's, uh, 
And, and so, I mean, the University of Virginia is obviously a very well established, you know, university in terms of doctors and things. Did did that give you comfort uh, in they were assessing the situation, um, you know, accordingly? Absolutely. I, I, I have heard that um, Virginia's actually probably got one of the best um, college um, hospital systems. Um, in regards to the nation, so very, very happy that he has um, chosen to go there based on that. But look, the doctors have been amazing there. They're talking to a lot of different surgeons all over the US um, to get some feedback and see if they have come across this before and how they think they should approach it. But again, um, they've been doing a series of stress tests and he's been passing with flying colours since right. and his heart hasn't been um, an issue or been enlarged again. Wow. So, I mean, 13, they're 13 games in now. Um, you know, Cody was there for the first three. Do you think, is he out for the season now? Or what's the what's the prognosis in terms of um, what, what the university is going to do uh, for him here? Well, at this late stage, they're saying he probably will miss this year right. um, based on where how far in they are and, and him getting his fitness and stuff back and right. others playing well, um, more likely believe it in saying that they have offered him an extension of another year. Oh, wow. Um, so he, he his eligibility is going to be extended. So if he misses this year, he's got another two years to really go and prove himself. But as you said earlier, he um, started the season really, really well. Yep. He probably would have liked a bit more court time that Tony Bennett was getting a feel for the freshmen against the weaker yep. um, schools. Yep. Uh, so he was feeling good about himself and this is a bit of a setback, but fingers crossed he can turn things around and go again shortly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and like, like you said, a, a setback. I mean, there's been sort of um, players that have had sort of hard issues before. I mean, I remember speaking with you before, Nate Jowai had a hard issue whilst playing in Europe, uh, yes. you know, and at the time he sort of thought, oh, no, you know, is this it? But obviously, um, you know, was able to pull through and, and recalibrate and, um, you know, continue on. And it's been sort of six or seven years since, I mean, I mean that uh, time of his career. So, I mean, fingers crossed, like you said, that he's able to, um, you know, come back to full health and, and be stronger, and and obviously learn. It. You'd have to treat it like an like an injury, of course. It's it's yes. rather it's a it's a curly one. It's a different it's a different That's situation, yours. isn't it? So, is he handling it mentally okay? He sounds in pretty good spirits now. Ah, uh, yeah, he's he's comfortable. Um, like we said, he's got best people looking after him, and and just to have that reassurance that they want him there and extend his time, and that. Um, you know, he's got a great relationship with his teammates, his coaching staff, um, and he just he's enjoying the process now. Um, he knows what it's all about, and he's just eager to get back on court. He is actually back training, is in shooting and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, the physicality levels are getting a little bit bigger yep. in regards to workload, but yep. um, I think he's going to be a bit shy. He might make a special appearance if they make the NCAA finals if another injury happens or something, but highly unlikely at yeah, this stage. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and we just saw a post recently. I, uh, I think that's what triggered uh, you know me to call you up today because uh, he did seem like he was in better spirits. He sort of said, um, "Back soon." He, not a man of many words, is he? he but he, he certainly uh, seemed optimistic with that with that post to be able to uh, let the fans know. I guess that you know you haven't seen the last of Cody yet. That's right. Well, look. Obviously, there's always a rumour mill getting around about certain things, and there was something about three or four days ago that said Cody was um, going to leave UVA because of medical reasons and um, he put a stop to that saying, no, that's wrong, I'm, I'm here to stay and I'll be back soon. So, Great. Yeah. Great. Well, he's a, he's a tough kid for sure and we certainly wish him all the best in his last few years and we'll be following... Queenslander, absolutely, <laughs> Queenslander. Uh, we certainly will be following uh, his comeback uh, when he once he hits the floor officially again. But uh, Daryl Statman, thank you for the update and, and all the best uh, for Cody uh, for the you know his recovery and also when he gets back on the floor. Mate, my pleasure, Lousy. Thank you so much for wanting to follow up on Cody. I mean, it's um, it's funny we've got all these athletes and and they sort of go their own way and we don't hear about them. But um, appreciate you. Wanting to know about Cody and keeping everyone um, tuned into where he's at. Awesome. Thanks, Daryl. Appreciate it. Well, we certainly wish Cody all the best in, in the recovery. It sounds like, um, you know, there's some positive signs that he's back on track, uh, not not needing to rush back in thanks to the school and, and uh, the way that the uh, University of Virginia has really looked after him. And I think that's, uh, you know, a big coup to the, to the school to be able to look after their players like that and just offer that extra year, I think, was huge. And it also might give uh, Cody and the family peace of mind on, on how to handle that. Do, does he come back early or does he take that option and get another two years of college? So, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a, I guess these things can happen and it's a setback and, um, you know, Cody... The good players will, will figure it out, and I have no doubt that um, you know Cody will be able to, to get through this uh, small setback and still continue uh, in a very very promising career uh, ahead of him. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and I mean college basketball is such a massive business, especially at a place like like the University of Virginia. It's great to see that the school's actually putting the person ahead of their basketball program and making sure he's healthy and and has the chance. So so that's great to see. So he's obviously gone to to a school that's going to treat him right, but. As for Daryl, he's becoming a regular here on the Pike and Lau show. Yeah, well, he, he loves his hoops, and, and we love to catch up with, with him and see how the, the family is going because um, Cody's younger brother, Kai, is a training player with the Taipan, so he's training against Mojave King, all these all these guys at the, at the Taipan, so they're very much involved um, with, with what's going on currently at the Taipan as, uh, as Kai's getting some really good training in and um, just getting a taste of that professional um, uh, environment and looking after his body, doing the weights, getting bigger and stronger as, as he uh, approaches, um, you know, what to do next in terms of college and all that. And um, and obviously Cody over in the States, um, you know, Kai really looks up to his big brother and just to see the whole family involved with hoops, it's uh, it's really fun and it's playing at such a high level. The, the kids are playing at such a high level, um, you know, of basketball that uh, it's fun to see the progression and it's important for, you know, Cairns locals to understand that um, you know, Cairns produces some great talent, and uh, they, they're off. 
you know, in big stages around the world. And it's great that they get their start at the club um, and get a taste of professional life. And then they go off and got to find their way. And then hopefully one day we, we might be able to see them in the, in the orange uh, jersey uh, in future seasons. This episode of the Pikey and Lowes Show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. And Staten's Plumbing Company. Plumbers who care. Yeah, let, let's hope so. Now, the current team in Orange, Lowes, I can't underestimate how big of a game Thursday night is. It's back at the pop-up arena. It's against the Hawks, the undefeated Hawks. So the Hawks have won their first three games. And now the Taipans are on a three-game losing streak. It can't become a four a four-game losing streak, can it? No, absolutely not. I mean, this is a game where they haven't had much time to recover. However, they have had time to lament how good they can be with that second half effort. So I think three days is enough to to recharge the legs with with light duties for for training in between, if any at all. Uh, and then they've got to have a plan against Gorgians throwing the kitchen sink defensively at them. So, you know, we, we trust in, in Coach Kelly and the staff to be able to combat those those rapid changes. Uh, it's not often you see a coach throw so many different defenses at a team so early on in the season because they, they wouldn't have um, really been able to execute them properly yet themselves. So I'd say it's a bit of junking it up kind of strategy that Gorgian's going for and create a lot of, a lot of confusion. And for the, for the most part, that first game, it, it worked. Uh, for this game, I'm sensing that the Taipans are going to lock into what needs to be done. You're backing in the win? Taipans are going to win in overtime. Oh, wow! Uh, but this this one this one's going to be a lot a lot more impressive battle than than the first uh, performance against the Hawks. They they were surprised by them. Credit to the Hawks, and they've got some great players, and obviously led led by Gorge. Um, but this one's going to be an absolute cracker, and I think the Taipans understand now that the urgency they need to play with, and also um, you know just that level of communication and, and togetherness that they need to be able to, um, you know, put the put the opposition on the back foot for once. And then it's a short turnaround again. Two days later, the first road game of the season in Brisbane against the Bullets, and unfortunately it's against a Bullets team that's now probably feeling pretty good about themselves after after getting their first win of the season against the the Sydney Kings on, on Australia Day. I haven't been... Not, I haven't been impressed with, with the Bullets' performances and their, their, their line-up, but... I mean, Vic Law showed that that he can be a difference maker in this Bullets team. Um, he he really took over that game, and you know the the reason why I haven't been impressed. I just feel like there's a few hotheads on the team. You know that, that are they going to gel well? Are they going to be able to produce produce results? Um, so it really it's really going to come down to how well the, those imports can perform and whether they can perform consistently. Vic Law obviously um, was a huge influence in that game. So Taipan's heading down there, their first road trip of the season. Um, I, I think it'll be pretty tough. I'm not sure which way this one's going to go. Which, what are your thoughts on this one, Pikey, first? I, I feel similar to you. I haven't been overly impressed with what I've seen from the from the Bullets, but they still did enough to beat the Kings on, on Tuesday, so they, they, they got some confidence from that. But I do feel like they're a team that you can take out of their system you know, pretty pretty easily. I feel like, like you said, they've got some guys that like to go and do their own thing and look for their own own baskets um, and their own numbers probably, which isn't always a great thing. Um, Vic Law, he looks like he's a, a handful, and right now you would probably take him 
over Lamar Patterson, which you probably wouldn't have said coming in, into the season. So that, they'll be tough. They've got Matt Holchin back, which gives them a bit of extra size in inside too. So it's going to be tough. But I think if you put it up talent to talent, I think the Taipans are a much better team. I expected the Taipans to be to really contend for the championship this year, and I probably expected the Bullets to be towards the bottom. I haven't seen a lot to change my mind about about Brisbane. So, yeah, I think it's a real chance for the Taipans to go and, and play well, get some confidence up, and, and head into a week's break, which they richly earned. Um, if they can do that and have improved to 3-3, three and three, I think they'll they'll be feeling feeling pretty good about themselves given where they Ta- are right now, yeah. if they can be 3-3. Three and three. Yeah, Taipans, sh- they should win this game by 6 or 8 in, in Brisbane. They, they've got, you know, every bit of chance... To, to go in there, um, hopefully off a strong win um, against against the Hawks uh, in overtime, as I mentioned. Yeah, I, I just feel like they they have to they have to their, put their stamp on the league if you know against Brisbane if they if they're going to be serious about obviously where they need to go, uh, then they need to rectify some of these early early losses. But yeah, I think I think this would be another crucial couple of games. Mm. Last weekend wasn't fun, and said last week needed to be a a statement sort of weekend. Um, I think they found the the formula that they're looking for with that second half for Melbourne United, but this is where now that they've had a taste of it, they need to execute four good quarters that it starts, or eight good quarters, and it starts with the uh, the Hawks on Thursday night. Yeah, it sure does. So that's what that's all of our focus right now. Thursday night at the Cairns Pop Up Arena. If you haven't got your ticket now, there might not be many left, but try to try to get get hold of one if you can and go and cheer on the team. As you said, the crowd hasn't always been at its loudest so far this season. So if you go on Thursday night, be loud, cheer on the Taipans because getting back back on the winner's list is now a must and then that would give the team a lot of confidence heading to Brisbane on Saturday. It's been a big show again this week on the Pikey and Lau show. I've had a lot of fun talking Taipans with you, Lau's, and and to be honest, I could just sit, I could sit here and talk basketball with you for hours. We can talk hoops for a while. We can talk for hours, we, we mate. Could, it's, but, it's always... but, I, but I hope what we have done... People are enjoying. Give us some feedback on social media of what you might like to hear. Thanks to Cairns Total Physio and Staddens Plumbing Company for making this possible. And thanks to you, Laos, for joining me. I'll sign off. I'm Chris Pike, but I'll leave you with the trusty words of Laos to finish off. Taipans with the, the second half found their mojo defensively. Look for huge energy, huge togetherness, uh, and, and a, a new statement as they, they find their formula and they find their feet Finally, in uh, season 2021, look out for big uh, W's coming up against the Hawks and uh, Brisbane.